Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. Lawrence, hi. It's Will McPherson here from the Evening Standard. Hello, Will. What's up? Well, I'm writing a feature about great rugby teams. And as you played in more than a couple, I'm thinking the Premiership winning Wasp team of 96 and, of course, England in 2003, to name just two. I thought I'd ask you what it takes to produce a truly great team. Well, my friend, it takes skill. Right. And it takes dedication. You've got to be focused and committed right to the end game. Yeah, putting in the hours. Precisely. And it takes time. As it happens, Will, these are the same things it takes to brew an outstanding amber ale like London Pride, sponsor of this very podcast. And more importantly, one of my favourite beers. I guess it also takes support, especially from the fans. The way they get behind their teams drives those extra yards. I couldn't agree more. And Fuller's London Pride are showing their support as the official beer partner for Premiership Rugby. Awesome. You've been a great help, mate. Thank you. And you've also made me strangely thirsty. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Support with pride and remember to drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio and welcome to my rugby podcast. I've got a fantastic lineup of guests from the Evening Standard. Simon Collins. Simon, clearly there is some sort of pecking order at the Evening Standard because Will McPherson, fresh back from his um, skiing holiday in the Alps, has now managed to organise himself a trip out to Antigua for the cricket. What is going on down there? Yeah, I'm not sure how Will's managed that. He started February in the cold at Murrayfield in Edinburgh and he's beginning March flying out to the Caribbean. So I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit jealous, but I'm hoping um, we can have an enjoyable pod instead. Well, listen, we're delighted. Delighted to have you on. For the second week running, we have real rugby royalty on the show. In the wake of Brian O'Driscoll, this young lady has won pretty much everything there is to win in the game. A World Cup, nine, can I repeat, nine Six Nations titles, including six Grand Slams. She's been World Rugby Women's Player of the Year, and she's also the top point scorer for the England's Red Roses. It is, of course, Emily Scarra. Emily, hopefully I've suitably embarrassed you there. Big time. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And last but by no means least, from the wonderfully named The Fezcast podcast, it's Saracens fan Jez Denton. Jez, how are things with you, my friend? Yeah, very good. Great win on the weekend, which I'm sure we'll discuss further. But after a couple of troublesome years to be a Saracens fan, things are beginning to look a bit more rosy, shall we say. So yeah, very happy Sarri here at the moment. 
It's a very cold Stonex Stadium at the weekend. I was lucky enough to be there. Some really good performances and Saracen's looking very strong. And as you say, we'll discuss that and your podcast. But we have to go straight to our special guest, Emily. Em, you've obviously had a difficult time over the last year because for those listeners who don't know, you broke your leg about three minutes into the opening game of the Premiership 15s in September last year. So how's that recovery been going? And when are we going to see you back on the rugby field? Yeah, it's been going well. As you say, three minutes into the first game, the season isn't exactly how I wanted to start this season off but this is rugby isn't it so these things happen but yeah it's been going well I actually played weekend before last I got 20 minutes against Gloucester so yeah it was great to be back out there been training unfortunately just got Covid so that kind of put a halt to the comeback as it were but hopefully that won't hold me back for too long. Oh my word she is human she can catch Covid as well. Now listen your career has been pretty stellar you have amassed I think 96 England caps and you've obviously won the World Cup, which was amazing. You won that in the last few minutes of the game, ending up the tournament's highest point scorer. So all those things have happened throughout your career, loads of those Six Nations titles, etc. Is this been, would you say, the first setback you've had from a career perspective in terms of injury? Obviously, I've had quite a lot of injuries along the way, as, as most rugby players do. You don't come this far without being too unscathed. But yeah, it's probably been the biggest one in terms of kind of time out from the game. But I think at the same time, the age I am, where I am in my career, it's quite nice to kind of step back, have a bit of bigger perspective on things and actually just step away from the game for a little while because it is so all-consuming at times. Listen, a couple of things before we bring in our other guests. The women's game, I mean, I having grown up and played all my rugby at Wasps, I think we were one of the first teams to create a women's rugby team many, many years ago. I think it was already in place when I joined in 1990, but the growth of the women's game has been phenomenal. It's been extraordinary and quite rightly so. You've obviously been right at the, at the front and centre of that. Where do you think it is right now, both from a domestic point of view with the 15s, but also internationally as well? And I guess, where would you like it to be? To start with, it's in the best place it's ever been in, in terms of the game, both domestically and internationally. I think it's actually a really exciting and possibly interesting point in its kind of lifespan. I think we're at that cusp of kind of that amateur professional bit, semi-professional. Obviously, the domestic league has taken off certainly in this country and other countries are kind of following suit to a point. We're obviously professional as England rugby players. Wales have gone a similar way. Um, New Zealand have gone a similar way. France are similar, but not everybody is. So it's we're kind of on that tipping point of lots of teams have and are doing it quite well some teams haven't and are perhaps struggling to keep up and there's a, a kind of a bit in, in between as well so it's, I think it's a really interesting time I think if I'm honest I'd love to be 10 years younger and be able to kind of live through that for a little bit longer because I think the only way is up obviously you know better than anyone you need money in the game you need funding you need TV you need all of that sort of stuff to enable to make it as sustainable as possible but I, I really do think it's it's heading in that direction. Simon you obviously cover all sport in the evening stand and the press, I think, gives reasonable coverage to the women's game. Do you think they could do more? Yeah, I think a key thing that seems to be happening more with women's sports over the past sort of two years, 18 months is scheduling them better in the calendar so that they have their own position to promote the sport and, you know, its influence. I think we've seen it in women's football where the sort of big derbies are taking place in international weekends, women's Six Nations getting its own slot. And then this summer, you know, there's no Olympics, there's no World Cup. It's the chance of the women's Euros in football to take centre stage. And I think that's where we're now seeing the benefit of organisers and governing bodies giving these women women's events the chance to shine and, and I think that's the next step from and when that happens I think their media attention will then just naturally follow suit. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Emily, you got the, um, I think you the Red Roses kick off their Six Nations campaign on the 26th of March at the, do I call it the Dam Health Stadium or the DAM Health Stadium? I don't know, in Edinburgh. But I think you then got home games against Wales and Ireland, which were played at Kingsholme on the 9th of April and then at Welford Road. I mean, those two stadiums will be fantastic on the 24th of April, respectively. Now, I know you can't take anything for granted, particularly given your comeback from injury and you're so humble that you wouldn't anyway. But assuming you are in the squad for the upcoming Six Nations campaign. How do you think things are looking for that campaign? I mean, I'm assuming England will be looking to try and win that as they build towards the next World Cup. Yeah, definitely. I think we put ourselves in a really strong position whereby we can go into those tournaments and say we want to win them. You know, it's not being arrogant or anything. That's just where we're at in terms of, I guess, the goals that we set ourselves. We know it's going to be tough. That last game, especially against France, similar to the men, France away is going to be absolutely brutal. If you've put yourself in a position to potentially go on and and win the tournament or potentially win a a Grand Slam from there, that game is going to be absolutely mega. They're the sort of things that you, you love as a player to go away to France. They'll have a pack stadium they'll all be screaming and whistling and that prospect is an exciting one but inevitably you've got to get to that point the other nations have as I said kind of alluded to earlier they've made huge strides recently in terms of the support that they've had for their programs Scotland to start off with they've just come back from Dubai having qualified for the World Cup so it's a massive kind of pat on the back for them to be able to say that they're going to a World Cup and obviously they've been playing and training recently so the girls you know we haven't been played since the autumns I mean they did pretty well in the autumns so you know we, we've set ourselves high standard and we certainly want to kick on from there this year going into the next season but certainly this year is a big one for the World Cup so let's not pretend any different it, it means a lot. I can ask for you guys I presume it's with England but what's the biggest crowd that you've been able to play in front of so far in your career? Oh that's a really good question the biggest was in that 2014 World Cup final I think and there was 20 something thousand in Stade Jambouin in Paris but the girls throughout the autumns at Northampton Saints at Sandy Park, they were getting kind of, I think, like six to 9,000 people, which is obviously awesome. And like you say, hosting at King's Home and Welford Road are two, you know, rugby hotbeds. So hopefully similar things will happen there. Well, I was about well. to say, so the challenge for all uh, Gloucester and England fans and for Leicester and England fans is to make sure that we fill those stadiums for those two games, which would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, assuming that you're COVID-free next week, what will your next uh, involvement be? Will it be for your club again? or will it be straight into the England environment? Yeah, so we're fully into Six Nations camp mode at the moment, which is obviously really exciting. The good thing about women's rugby in the league is that the league actually stops when the international rugby is going on. Oh, that was common sense, basically, isn't it? <laughs> no comments. So yeah, so that's obviously a great thing in terms of club rugby goes into falls into like a cup competition. So the rest of your club players still get opportunity to play some rugby, but it doesn't impact the league. Well, listen, we wish you all the very best with your comeback, not just for club, but also for your country and hope that the Red Roses go really well in the forthcoming campaign. We're going to just switch tack a little bit there because there's a great deal to talk about from round 19 of the Premiership this weekend. I noticed there were actually six home wins across the league this week for Quinns, Bath, Gloucester, London Irish who are going brilliantly, Saracens looking menacing and obviously the Exeter Chiefs winning at home to sail. But uh, were you down at the Stoop, Simon, as Will was sort of jetting off to Antigua? I was happily watching at home with a beer, I must say, but a very enjoyable Friday night. And I do like those 
sort of Friday night games and the stoop is probably one of the best atmospheres for it and for Quinns I think it was just a sign of this little resurgence around the start of the year we were all a bit worried about how they were going to fare with injuries players going off to England and they, they had a bit of a wobble but I think credit's got to go to the coaching staff and the squad there for steadying the ship and that performance was w- what we expect from Quinns wasn't it you know the outside backs running in tries flowing rugby and the little scare came Danny Kerr going in the sin bin weathered that storm and, and got a big win so um a really important result for them and it keeps that race for the top four looking really interesting yeah I was thrilled with Quinns they've always been a team that when they have their best players available they're one of the best sides in the country they're the current champions but I think in the past they've struggled when they've lost one or two players to England and I think everyone was asking the question well they were going to lose Don Brandt Smith Marla what would they be like? But I think they've really got that depth to their team. And as you say, I think Tobias Matson was saying that it's such a competitive league at the moment. You know, it's almost a league of snakes and ladders. You've got sort of Leicester and Saracens out there on their own. But, you know, if you lose one game, you can go from sort of second down to sixth and then suddenly you win a game, as we saw with Exeter yesterday, and you can go from sixth up to second. You know, it's just literally how competitive it is. Jez, over to you. Saracens have obviously had their gap year. You know, things aren't quite the same as they were before, you know, because obviously the salary cap issues we don't need to talk about that but they're still incredibly well coached I think I speak on behalf of everyone it's great to see Mark McCall back in charge and they're looking good Saracens you know they've not been unbeatable as they have been in previous years but they still are a formidable outfit who have got some phenomenal players and you know who were the standout players and performers for you at the weekend well the first thing to say I think Lawrence is that talking about the relegation and the year in the championship I think it did Saracens really really good and reset a few things in the club including that one thing that we always talk about humility coming back up us as supporters we didn't know where to pitch Saracens this season what our expectations would be and both myself and Matt my co-present on the Vescast we were saying well look if we qualify for the top level of European competition that'll be a good season so we're playing above expectation I think in second place in the league there's a few players that you really need to pick out Nick Tompkins is outstanding and you mentioned it on commentary when you were talking about English senses the lack of English senses how Eddie Jones let Nick Tompkins through his grasp I will never know and that's a tragedy for England because I think he could do a really really good job the other one I think you really need to pick out of the star shall we say is Big Billy he's had the knockback of England and he could easily have gone one or two ways he could have got into his shell and been disappointed but I think he's actually stepped up week in week out he's doing everything he can do to keep himself in the shop window it's up to Eddie now whether he recognises that and does something with it. I don't think Eddie will because he'll pick Tom Curry at eight on Saturday against Arden, which I completely disagree with. But, you know, I'm not paid the mega bucks to be England coach. And then you look at the squad players, shall we say, the people like Tom Wollstonecroft, who really has stepped up this year. And, you know, Jamie George has been away or been injured and he's performed absolutely brilliantly. Theo McFarlane, who's coming into the team, a real raw talent. By God, he's going to be one hell of a player. What he can do with the ball in hand whilst bouncing players off is just outstanding. The question we have to ask when it comes to the final in June, who out of Tigers versus Saracens play a bit more explosive, flowing rugby? Which I think probably you'd say Saracens have that edge over Tigers. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think it's very fair. They've scored right up there amongst the top number of tries this season. They're also second best defence behind Leicester. And I think Leicester, probably ahead of where they expected to be under Steve Borthwick. Listen, they're going to be very difficult to beat in any competition. But I do feel if they want to take that extra step up and they want to win 
trophies, they're going to have to be a little bit more ambitious, Leicester Tigers. There was a period of 20 minutes in that game where they were kicking to the corner and trying to drive Saracens over the line, which is one way of scoring, but against the better teams, particularly in Europe, it's not the only way of scoring. And I think Leicester are going to have to expand their horizons a little bit. And I think Steve Borthwick is hopefully smart enough and astute enough to understand that. Emily, with yourself, I don't know how much rugby, given your focus on your own rehabilitation, you managed to watch across the weekend. Well, to be fair, having COVID, I watched a few because there weren't too many other options on the table. So yeah, I managed to catch the Quinn's Newcastle game on Friday night and the Leicester Saris game. So I'm a Leicester supporter, so. Well, go on then, talk us through that because as a Leicester supporter, I mean, Steve Borthwick's done a brilliant job, right? They've only lost twice. I think the turnaround has been phenomenal from coaching setup to the players to the depth that he's got. And, you know, I know he talks about this journey and it's like early stages and he's quite right to do that. But the reality is they've got a fantastic defence. They seem to have got back to the sort of DNA of what Leicester Tigers are. Am I being fair to say that they just probably need a little bit more against the really top sides if they're going to unlock those defences? Yeah, certainly. I think Sarri's probably won all the big moments, didn't they, at the weekend, which ultimately made a lot of the difference. I think when you talk about kicking to the corner and trying to maul for 20 minutes, but then also talk about Leicester Tigers' DNA, well, those two things kind of come hand in hand a little bit, don't they? Um, Obviously, as an outside back, I'm with you. I think there are definitely other ways and ways certainly earlier on in the season that they've been able to unlock defences, whether it's through the threat of Nandolo or obviously George Ford playing so well at the line. And I think the centres have gone really well for Tigers throughout the year as well. I think there is that depth across the Tigers squad, but I think you're right. It's it's the balance of how and when they use them in order to get the best out of them. Because sometimes actually just fighting fire with fire against a Sarri squad who is loaded up with the big boys is always going to be tough. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I was desperate to win things, but I was always desperate to play some decent rugby as well. And if you can combine those two things, then obviously that's ideal. And I'd be having a massive punch up with the coaches if we were playing that way all the time, because the game is a bit better than that. I mean, we weren't able to play the way Leicester play in those conditions because we just didn't have necessarily the absolute forward dominance and technical ability that they have. But I just think as the the grounds firm up, if you come up against a team that can match you at set piece, then you're going to need to have a little bit more. And with someone like Kevin Simfield in your coaching lineup, I can't believe that there isn't more there to unlock. And maybe I'm just being a bit impatient with Leicester and it will come in the coming years. They, they almost look, even though Steve Borthwick didn't like the question, they almost look like the Saracens at the beginning of 2011, you know, where they base their game on good defence, on great set piece, on a kick chase game and Leicester kick the ball more than any other team. And maybe that's one of the reasons why George Ford is leaving. I don't know. Maybe it's just not about money. Maybe he's just had enough of kicking the ball in the air. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Let's talk about one of the other teams, Simon, that may be a bit of a surprise package, a London team. So you'll focus on them, London Irish, the Brentford Stadium. It's not just a good day out, is it? It's, it's now a good day out because the team are winning. And I don't know, they've probably been the success story or the real story of the Premiership this season because having had those few early draws, they've just gone from strength to strength. And you talk about a team that plays some attractive rugby. Those guys are right up there. Yeah, I think they've developed as a team so much over the season and become a real cohesive unit. And Watching them play against Worcester, you know, they've got their own problems. The way they sort of dismantled them and went about putting them to the sword, you know, we're talking about Leicester there and, and kicking the ball and not throwing it around enough. I mean, London Irish are, are the opposite of that. I mean, we're going to come on to sort of our players of the week and stuff, but watching Augustine Creevy, 36 years old, smashing around, hungry for tries, is a sight to behold. And I think if you've got your hooker being that dynamic, that hungry to score tries, I think it sends a message throughout the whole team. And they're a team that could really cause some problems as, as the ground firms up and teams start to play some more running rugby and it's great for London having Irish back in the city and really making a name for themselves. Well, listen, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Saracens and Tigers will be contesting the playoffs. I think the million dollar question will be who will be joining them there and it could be anyone from Quinn, London Irish, Exeter who were not at their best yesterday but they've, you know, struggled with injuries, etc. but they're still back up to fourth so there's so much to play for. Right, I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask you to all pick out your outstanding player from the weekend. Outstanding with Fuller's London Pride. Simon, let's start with you. I'm actually going to go a bit off field. I'm going to go for Nick Phipps from London Irish, purely for, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but his assist for one of Irish's tries was absolutely brilliant. Back of the scrum, pass out the back of the hand. I watched it sort of three, four times on replay and couldn't work out how on earth he's pulled it off, but it sums up how Irish are playing. And for me, he gets the outstanding award this week just for a brilliant piece of play. Um, of the couple of games you watched, um, is there anyone that really stood out for you? Yeah, I've gone Andre Estehazen and it's probably because I've probably not had a chance to big him up since he's been playing so well so it's probably a little bit of an opportunity to do that but also I think at the weekend he also did a lot of the other stuff so we used to seeing him bash three brick doors and offload and do that sort of stuff but actually in terms of just his work rate so his speed off the deck back into the line making another tackle so that sort of stuff I think it's really easy to you know commend people when they are doing the highlights reel but actually sometimes there's, there's a lot of graph that goes behind that too. I think that is an excellent choice. I also think that if you're a bookmaker, you've probably closed the book on outstanding overseas player of of the season and actually potentially player of the season because his influence, not just in that game at the weekend, but actually every single week we mentioned, you know, Esther Hazen, you know, he's been phenomenal. So a wonderful pick. Now, Jez, over to you. Well, I can't really not go for Nick Tompkins. Uh, I mean, against Tigers, I just thought he was in attack and defence. He was just absolutely amazing. He's got the offloads. He's got the tackles. 
tackling, he's got the speed and he's got the eye for a gap. And yeah, I just think he's had a brilliant season and he continues to have a brilliant season. He had a really great game on the weekend. I couldn't agree more. And just to give you a little stat of the um, of all the centre pairings in the Premiership that are playing, so there's 13 teams, so two centres each, only nine are eligible to play for England. So when we bemoan Eddie Jones and his issues and who he might pick if Manu Tuolangi is injured or if Owen Farrell is injured, then he hasn't got many options. Although Alex Ozofsky is one of those options who was also a superb performer at the weekend and hopefully he might get a look in at some time in the future. But as Eddie Jones has shown us in the past, once he loses trust with certain players, it's going to be fascinating to see if he brings back Billy Vanapola or a Danny Kerr. But a bit like you, Jez, I doubt he probably will. Now, we're going to switch our attentions just to some general news across the weekend. Simon, the big talking point has been around the RFU's decision not to allow the promotion to the Premiership of Doncaster Knights and Ealing Trailfinders. I'm sure there's lots of different opinions. We currently have a 13-team Premiership. Everyone thought that that would expand to 14 next season with the inclusion of one of those two teams. But currently, the RFU have blocked that. Do you think that's fair? I mean, I saw a league a couple of years ago when London Welsh came up and actually having created a very competitive environment suddenly you've got a team that's getting beaten by 60, 70, 80 points every week. So have the RFU got a point or do you think uh, we haven't seen the end of this conversation? Well, I think if Doncaster and Ealing get their way and their appeals go through, it won't be the end of this conversation. I think both of them are planning to appeal it. You know, when these minimum standard criteria that the RFU laid out last summer, it was it was a point made in those that the, the stadium had to be 10,001 capacity, which obviously is an issue for Ealing and Doncaster. You know, there's solutions, you can ground share, you can try and expand your stadium. And I can understand the RFU's point of not wanting a London Welsh and wanting you know a premiership that is competitive and not one team just being at the bottom of the table but I think we've seen from the outcry from both premiership and championship players you know Joe Marler tweeting saying rugby stuck in the dark ages Ollie Steadman who's plays at my local club here Bedford saying you know what's the point if there's no promotional relegation and this has been something that has been talked about in rugby for ages this idea of ring fencing and calling off the premiership and for me personally I just don't think it sits right really you need promotion and relegation you need jeopardy and we're lucky in a way this season that the top four race is looking so brilliant and so open but if it wasn't there what else is there going to be in this league and, and the bottom of the table you know we talked about Bath getting off the foot of the bottom how great would that relegation scrap be with those teams down there so I really think long term it's something that needs to be in place and I can understand the RFU want to get it right particularly with COVID and the financial measures but stopping teams having that carrot of premiership rugby just doesn't seem right really <laughs> Jez, I want to talk to you about your FezCast uh, Saracens podcast because I know this is something that you co-host with Matt Bartlett. Tell us a little bit about what your aims and ambitions are for the podcast because it's not just the men's team that you follow. You promote the women's teams, you promote all the various age groups as well and I'm assuming you get some buy-in from the players who come on as your special guests. Well, indeed, yeah. I mean, the podcast started up originally. The conversation was at the fans gathering before the 2019 final against Exeter Chiefs. And it's something that I wanted to do. I've been doing music podcasts for a few years and everything. And we got a couple of like-minded people. And then obviously, one, COVID blew up. And two, the whole salary cap issue blew up. And the ethos is that we realised that Saracens perhaps their reputation had dropped somewhat because of the salary cap, because of all the issues that went around that. And we realised that, you know, it's a club that we love and we want to promote them in the best possible light. So we've gone out and created the FezCast to show that Saracens aren't the total pariahs of rugby that perhaps we were made out to be over the last couple of seasons. It's grown and we've developed. We've been lucky enough to have some buy-in from the club. So we've spoken to various players and coaches. Joe Shaw came 
came on the week that he was named head coach and managed to keep that under his hat from us. So we're not brilliant investigative journalists. We've spoken to the likes of Simon Rauer-Louis from his home in Fiji, following the cyclone in Fiji, which is interesting. Alex Goode and he's back in Japan when he was out in Japan. We also speak to Saracens Mavericks, who are the netball team associated with the Saracens family. They've been very supportive and put guests on. It's great to get a different emphasis from different sports. And again, the the Saracens women have been really good as well and come on and discussed their season and what's going on. So yeah, we've really enjoyed it. It's just two blokes who, at the end of the day, we have a beer and chat about what's going on. We do have the odds, what we call the hashtag just rants, which normally involves Eddie Jones. I do try to keep that to a minimum. but uh, Club, mate. Join a club. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, listen, we wish you all the very best with your podcast. It's a great listen. Now, we're going to go to Over the Line or In the Bin. It's an opportunity for us and you to learn a little bit more complete useless trivia about the game of rugby union. Uh, Simon, you're in charge being the uh, quiz master. It's only one question. It's a very quick quiz. I think Jez and M will both answer it as, as I will. I managed to redeem myself last week by guessing the right answer so hopefully I can do the same again but Simon over to you Over the line or in the bin with Fuller's London Pride the official beer of Premiership Rugby So as our listeners will know I I deliver a little nugget of rugby trivia and you our lovely guests simply have to guess whether what I'm saying is true and therefore over the line or false and therefore in the bin So this week's trivia one of Emily's fellow Red Roses and World Rugby Player of the Year for 2021, I should add. Zoe Aldcroft carries a knitted Johnny Wilkinson doll in her kit bag as her lucky charm. Now, is this over the line and true or in the bin and false? I'm going to come to Emily last because I imagine she's probably got the inside track. Emily, if you don't know this, you're in, you are in serious. It's like that question of sport, home, when you go home. Yeah. I know it's a podcast and you can't see me, but my head is in my hands because yeah. I'm just not sure. So repeat that. She carries a voodoo doll of who? She's got a knitted Johnny Wilkinson doll in her kit bag as her lucky charm. All right, oh. Jez, I'll give you the honour to go first. I think it's in the bin and false for the simple reason that I can't believe it's not a Lawrence Delavio knitted car. <laughs> <laughs> he ran out of wool, mate. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Lawrence, what, say, what do you think? I think that's over the line. I think, I, I think, it, yeah, I think there's something in that. I mean, I wasn't quite as superstitious as that, really, to have to be able to carry something like that. But I, I got a funny feeling that might be over the line. Do you know what? I have absolutely no idea at all. So I'm just going to go the opposite to Jez because I like to be. Contrary, um, but M will give us the actual truth and the real answer. <laughs> I haven't got a clue, and I, I do feel like this is ringing a bell that she carries something, and she is from the northeast. For that reason, oh, I'm going to go over the line, but I'm not sure. I can reveal it is over the line. It is true. Get in there, <laughs> over the line. Emily, do you got any lucky charms, any superstitions that you have to stick to? I do actually carry around, a, I've got a little black piece of coal that my granddad found on the farm and gave me when I was quite young, I think. It was before one of my first under-20s internationals, I think. He gave it me and said, apparently, it's good luck. I've no idea if it is or not, but I've always kept that with me. We all like to be kind of ritualistic as well in top-class sport and sport generally, but I mean, I never really, maybe I put my left boot on first, but when I played for England, I was always warm up with Neil Back and Richard Hill and we'd all start by doing a couple of laps of the pitch and we'd just stay together for the entire warm-up whereas the rest of the team would go off in their own little individual kind of bubble and we'd just have a little chat with each other and that was the only sort of pre-match ritual I had really. Listen, if you like your rugby quiz then my good friends Hugo Monia and former podcast guest Scott Quinnell are hosting 
hosting an online event on Wednesday, the 9th of March this week to raise funds for the British Red Cross, an amazing course, for their Tonga appeal. It's been supported by Fuller's London Pride at the Cabbage Patch Pub in Twickenham. And you can find out more about how to take part by going online to redcross.org.uk forward slash rugby quiz. So give that a little look up. Great cause. The Red Cross Tonga Appeal, hosted by Ugo Monia and Scott Quinnell. Right, just before we leave, I want to have a very quick look ahead to this weekend's actions, because it is obviously the Six Nations, Wales v France on Friday, Italy v Scotland, and then obviously England v Ireland. So uh, any wild predictions? I'm not going to ask Em, because she's about to go back into camp. Jez and, um, and Simon, I'm assuming you're picking France to win, you're picking Scotland to win over in Rome. Well, if you're picking Scotland to lose, Jez, I think... Well, I just think last time out against Ireland, Italy put in the performance of the weekend, going down to 13 men and 12 men for the last 10 minutes to actually not ship the points that you were expecting until very late on. And they've got some really good young players. And then I look at Scotland when they played against France and you looked at two players in particular, Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, who basically went missing, I felt. I just think, yeah, Scotland will be favourites, but it wouldn't be a huge surprise to me if Isley squeaked to win there because I think they are going in the right direction. Well, listen, you've heard it here. Simon, any um, any hope for England fans at Twickenham? Do you honestly think we can beat Ireland? Well, I'm, I'm hoping England beat Ireland because I've just booked my travel and accommodation for Paris next week. So I kind of want to go there with something on the line rather than just watching France storm to a grand slam. So that's probably me being the optimist in me rather than thinking rationally. I hope they do as well. And I- you know, and I genuinely believe that if they can do something to get the fans on their feet and get that connection between the fans and the team, then anything and everything is possible. Listen, we wish Emily the very best of luck with her second comeback post-COVID and we wish the Red Roses all the very best for the upcoming Six Nations campaign. That's all from the episode of Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast. An enormous thanks to Emily Scarrett, to Jez and to Simon. Thank you too for listening. As always, don't forget to give us a like and subscribe if you haven't already. See you all next week. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.